Thank you so much for being here today. How many of you are excited to be here? All right, we got a couple. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you didn't allow this stinking thing on my face to keep you away. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us. And for those of you who are watching online, thank you so much. We appreciate you taking the time and the effort to watch, and I hope today will be a blessing to you. Would you take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Just before we begin, I did want to announce um, some of you have been praying for Mary McQuiggan, and uh, she had surgery on, um, on Friday, and everything went very, very well, and so thank you for praying. Um, but unfortunately, that evening, uh, she found out that uh, she was having a bit of, uh, of a bleeding problem in the incision and throughout, and so she had to actually go back in on Saturday morning. For another surgery, and she called me again this morning and said, it looks like I'm going to have to go back in uh, because that, that blood vessel that ruptured has just not stopped bleeding. They took a pint of blood out the first time, and they're getting ready to go in again. So if you would just continue to pray for her, uh, that would be a blessing. She was very discouraged this morning from it, and, uh, but I, I just would ask that you continue to pray for her. And then uh, another lady, some of you may or may not know, in our church, but she, uh, I got a text this morning, and she um, may have to go in for surgery uh, later today. So if you would just pray for these two ladies. I'm not going to mention her name just because um, she has not given me permission online, especially to mention the name. So uh, if you would just pray for these two ladies. In fact, let's do that right now. Let's pray for these two ladies. Father, thank you so much for this day, for the opportunity that we have to still meet in a church and do it publicly. Father, though there are some restrictions and maybe some inconvenience, Father, uh, there is nothing like meeting together and spending time together as a church family. And for those that are online watching, thank you for that opportunity, for the um, technology that we have to be able to do that. And I'm just so thankful that they get to join with us here today. Father, I pray that you would uh, continue to help us to be unified. Uh, please don't let these things distract us and help us to have the peace that passes all understanding uh, through you. Father, I pray that you'd be with Mary this morning. I pray that you would uh, watch over her. And Father, if it would be your will, that you would touch her body and completely remove that blood uh, from leaking. And Father, that it would be uh, healed up completely. And Father, uh, if it's not your will, we do ask that you continue to give her the grace and that she needs and the strength to get through this. And Father, I pray that she would continue to trust in you. And for this other lady, Father, I pray that you watch over her and just continue to help her as well. And Father, if she needs to have surgery again, we do pray that you would watch over them. And uh, Father, we leave all these things in your hands. We're thankful for the medical community that we do have. Uh, but Father, we know that you're the great physician, that you have all of these things in control. And we do ask for your uh, hand and your guidance in it. Father, give us a great service today. And I pray that uh, we would just leave here being changed and having a different mindset and different perspective. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins, that we can have uh, eternal hope in, in, uh, in a relationship with you. Father, we love you so much for it. In Jesus' name, amen. The summer of 1919 was a summer that the world had waited for for almost five years. The armistice had been signed on November the 11th of 1918, but now it was time to make full peace agreements. For four and a half years, the central powers led by the German army had fought a nightmare of a war with the Allied powers led by France. Approximately 20 million people lost their lives in World War I. 
This day, June 28th of 1919, was the day peace would descend on the entire world. The three allied country leaders came together in the Palace of Versailles, and they drafted what was now known as the Treaty of Versailles. The treaty demanded, guess what? Peace. It demanded peace. But it didn't demand peace only for June 28th of 1919. It demanded peace for years to come. And here's the steps that they took in order to get there. The treaty demanded that Germany was to demilitarize almost completely. You're not allowed to have an army. They are only allowed to have a 100,000 volunteer army, which is not a big army. They were demanded that uh, they uh, were to not have any tanks or submarines or battleships or an air force or any artillery. These were the demands that they gave. the, The allied powers wanted to ensure peace. They wanted to make sure Germany wouldn't come back and and do this all over again. The treaty also demanded Germany to relinquish control of several territories. The reason they did this was because, again, they wanted to keep Germany at arm's length. They didn't want Germany, uh, again, attacking, and one of the main contested pieces was between France and Germany. Again, France was very hurt by what Germany had done in the war, and so they wanted to keep Germany at length. The treaty also demanded that Germany pay for damages incurred by the war. Many, many millions and billions of dollars. And so while not exactly enthusiastic about the terms of peace, Germany did sign the Treaty of Versailles and signed a peace treaty with the Allied powers. And that day, peace came to Europe. You see, peace only works when both parties keep the terms of peace. Peace only works when both parties keep the terms of peace. And then you have to trust the other party to keep their terms of peace as well. You see, war often brings an innate desire for peace. World peace. War, I mean, you think about it, when you are in a conflict of any sort, you desire peace, especially a world war. You don't look forward to war. You don't, you're not excited about war. You want war to stop. You want peace to stop. Conflicts, or excuse me, you want peace to begin and war to stop. Conflicts of any sort bring a desire for peace. Whether it's a conflict with a country, conflict with a friend, conflict with a neighbor, conflict with a relative, you desire peace. So I want to give you a series of messages this morning. We'll start it called In Pursuit of Peace. In Pursuit of Peace. If you're in the habit of writing things down, take a minute and write this down. Your desire for peace is directly proportionate to the amount of conflict in your life. Your desire for peace is directly proportionate to the amount of conflict in your life. If you have a ton of conflict in your life, you have a great desire for peace. If you just have a small amount of conflict in your life, you don't have that big of a desire for peace. Just a little bit. Conflict shows up in all kinds of different ways in our lives, doesn't it? Many of you could probably fill in the blanks here, but conflict expresses itself in marriage. (laughs) Some of you are shaking your heads a little too hard. Okay, conflict does express itself in marriage. Sometimes you disagree as husband and wife. 
If you don't, would you please counsel me? Because there are times where my wife and I disagree and we have what we like to call discussions. Conflict arises in marriage. Guess where else conflict arises? Conflict arises in rearing children. How many of you, you don't necessarily have to raise your hand, but you've had a battle with your child? Oh, not a, not a fight uh, fist to cuffs or anything, but you have been in a battle with your child where they wanted to do something and you didn't want them to do something and you told them not to do it and they said no. A battle, conflict. Conflict can express itself in the workplace. Man, everybody gets along at work, don't they? Especially factories, everybody's just A100%, all, everybody's friends, it's all good. Not always. Conflict can express itself in your neighborhood. I, uh, we had a little bit of conflict when we first moved into the neighborhood we live in. We left our dog out a little bit too long. And she began uh, crying and yelping to get in. And the neighbor had his windows open at 11 o'clock at night and didn't appreciate that too much as he was trying to go to bed. And we resolved the conflict, but there was conflict there. Conflict can happen at church. Conflict can happen in all kinds of different areas. Conflict can express itself with our parents. If any of you grew up, uh, you probably had some conflict with your parents. I remember having conflict mostly with my mom. We conflicted quite heavily. Not proud of that, but that is the case. You see, anywhere there's another person, conflict is present. Or has the ability to be present. I mean, conflict happens all over the place. Conflict arises on a daily basis. The conflict happens also and it expresses itself every day inside of us. Inside of us. Conflict arises in us daily. Conflict of choosing between what's good and what's bad. You see, we have this constant war, constant conflict in our lives. We all have it. We all have internal struggles of, of decisions that we need to make or, or, or just a preference or whatever it may be. We all have it in us. Paul the Apostle puts it so eloquently here in Romans chapter 7. If you'll look with me in verse uh, uh, 15, please. Romans chapter 7 and verse 15. The Bible says this, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would... I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. You see, even the great Apostle Paul had an inner war, an inner conflict going on 
Basically, and I love this passage because it's such a tongue twister. Trying to figure out exactly what to say and how to say it. But basically what Paul is saying, the things that I know I should do, the things that I work hard to do and the things that I want to do, I'm not doing those things. And the things that I know I shouldn't do, the things that I know I'm supposed to stay away from, I'm supposed to not go anywhere near, those are the things I'm doing. And he says there's this war, this constant war going on inside of me. We read later Paul, in Paul's writing that the spirit and the flesh are at enmity with one another. They war against each other. He knew that the things that he knew were right to do, those were the things that he did not do. And the things that he knew were wrong to do, those were the things that he was doing. There was this constant war. He just couldn't seem to find peace. He just couldn't seem to find peace. There's no doubt in my mind that before COVID, BC, as some people have called it, before COVID, people in the world, maybe even some of you, were struggling with peace. Maybe you had some conflict in your life over something. So there's no doubt in my mind that currently in the middle of this thing, we are experiencing perhaps even more conflict. Even more conflict. Struggling to find peace. Whether it's wearing a mask or whether we should or shouldn't. Whether it's keeping your distance, whether you should or shouldn't. Whether it's trying to abide by government regulations or completely dismissing them. Or maybe it's just constant changes. You just can't keep up with it all. It's just so much. We're all longing for peace. We're all longing for peace. There is this inner conflict that is ever-present, constantly. Gerard Kittle put it this way. Peace is the interlude in the everlasting state of war. Peace is the interlude in the everlasting state of war, meaning this, war inside of you is constantly going on. It never gives up. It's a constant thing because you live, if you're saved and know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you live with the flesh and the Spirit. They are constantly at enmity with one another, but there's a peace, an interlude, an intermission, if you will. In the everlasting state of war, Webster's Dictionary describes peace as this, a state of quiet or tranquility. Now, I think everybody has a different mindset about this. State of quiet or tranquility, to me, is a babbling brook, soft grass, sun shining, breeze blowing, a nice oak tree to shade, maybe even a nice maple tree. Just beautiful, quiet, tranquil. It also describes peace like this, freedom from disturbance or agitation. Now, if you have children under the age of 10 years old, probably have no idea what this is. Quietness, freedom from disturbance or agitation. Strong's Dictionary defines peace as this, safety, health, well-being, or prosperity. All kinds of different things that we can describe peace as. So again, let's picture World War I. Four and a half years of constant fighting, especially centralized in Europe, but really all over the world. Then on June 28th, peace descends. There is finally peace. No longer do people have to worry about bombs being dropped on their house. 
No longer do people have to worry about their children being conscripted into the war. No longer do people have to worry about their money and their food being given toward the war effort. They now have a freedom. They now have a safety. They now can experience peace. There is also an opportunity for prosperity. Again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Where there is no peace, there is no prosperity. Where there is no peace, there is no prosperity. So listen, you can try to do this, these things on your own. You can try to uh, overcome these things on your own, but where there's no peace, there's no prosperity. You take a look at all the countries that were involved in World War I, World War II, uh, uh, all kinds of different wars. Listen, when a country's in the middle of war, they're not moving forward. Their economy is not getting better. They're, it's getting worse. Everything's going toward the war effort. There are flour shortages and bread shortages and all kinds of different shortages that you have because, listen, all of it's going toward war. If you are warring all of the time, all of your time and energy is spent in the conflict. So you can't put time and energy into the things that are going on around you. I said to the guys this week, I just want something to be normal for a little while. We, were, we felt like we were gaining momentum at a physical service, and then COVID hit. We had to stop meeting completely, and we had to go to all online, and then we felt like we were gaining some momentum online, and then we came back. And now we feel like we've been gaining some sort of momentum meeting physically again and then we have to wear masks. Man, I just want something to be normal. It feels like we're just fighting this conflict and we can't prosper. We can't move forward. Think about your marriage. Man, if everything's all conflict all the time, do you feel like you're moving forward in your marriage or do you feel like you're moving backwards? See, where there is no peace, there is no prosperity. You have nothing left to move forward in your life if you are constantly in a conflict. So how are we going to experience this peace? How are we going to experience this peace from these things that are going on in our lives? This tranquility, this safety from this constant conflict. Well, Paul gives us the answer. Look at verse 24 in Romans chapter 7. The Bible says this, and Paul saying, Oh, wretched man that I am. I want to do the right thing, but I'm doing the wrong thing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, that's where peace comes from. He says, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. With the flesh, the law of sin. You see, peace comes from Jesus Christ. You see, there was a day... When Paul, or Saul, if you will, was creating conflict. He was the one going to Christians and ripping them out of their homes and taking them to prison. He was the one going into churches and breaking things up. He was the one creating conflict. And all of a sudden he found Jesus on the road to Damascus. He found Jesus on the road to Damascus and said, uh, and really met Jesus. So if you, again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. When you find Jesus, you find peace. When you find Jesus, you find peace. Why? How can I say that? How can I say that? Because Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 tells us that he is the prince of peace. 
He's the Prince of Peace. He is a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see, when you find Jesus, you find peace. When Jesus is present in your life, peace is present in your life. I want to show you this morning, I want to show you the peace that Jesus can bring in your life. I want you to be able to think about the peace that passes all understanding. I want you to see, number one, peace in the midst of personal problems. Peace in the midst of personal problems. You go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 with me. There's a story here of Mark chapter 5 that shows us a lady with some personal problems. But she meets Jesus. Mark chapter 5 and verse 25. Mark chapter 5 and verse 25, the Bible says this, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and just touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway, watch, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? No hint of sarcasm whatsoever in there, is there? Verse 32, And he looked around, round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing, watch, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Verse 34, And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. You see, this woman literally had an inner turmoil. Inner physical turmoil going on for 12 years she tried to resolve this. Notice in verse 26, she had suffered many things of many physicians. They put her through all kinds of paces. They tried all kinds of different things to heal her. She had spent all her substance. She had given all her wealth. She had done everything that any physically possible human could ever think of to try to rid herself of this inner turmoil. She'd gone to every doctor. She had paid all kinds of money, but still no peace until she found Jesus. Until she found Jesus, all she had to do was just but touch the hem of his garment. When she did this, when she did this, she was healed immediately. Sometimes we think there are other things that will heal our wounds. Some of you have probably heard this. Time, time heals or time will heal. And I somewhat agree with that. Time will heal some of our wounds, but sometimes we think we can spend enough money or we can distract ourselves with enough things that we won't have to think about the inner turmoil that's going on. 
Man, if I just buy a new boat or a new car, or for me, a new truck, I mean, something that would distract my, myself from looking at my personal problems and just distract me. Some turn to maybe drinking. Some may turn to drugs. Just to relieve a little bit of that personal problem. Now, I will be honest enough to say that those things will probably give you some sort of temporary relief. But they will never bring peace. They will never bring everlasting peace. Look at what Jesus says again in verse 34. He says, and he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Go in peace. It was this meeting with Jesus. He's saying, now you have freedom. Now you can rebuild your life again. Think about it. She had spent all her living, all her, everything that she owned, she spent on trying to fix this thing and having some peace. There was no prosperity. She was as poor as a church mouse. She had nothing left. But now she could go and rebuild her life because Jesus had given her peace, the Prince of Peace had just given this woman peace that she had desired for 12 years. Listen, I don't know what inner turmoil you're going through right now. Some of you have expressed some things that you're struggling with to me. Some of you have uh, uh, allowed me to know some of that, but I'm sure there's far more things going on in your life that you just don't know where to turn. You just don't know how, to, how it's going to happen. You just don't know what the future holds for you. You just don't know. And there's this turmoil. I don't know what you're going through. But this I do know. If you bring it to Jesus, he will give you peace. Oh, he may not take it away. This lady he healed completely healed he may not take it away from you but understand he will give you peace he will give you peace peace in the midst of personal problems but number two i want you to see peace in the midst of public pressure peace in the midst of public pressure turn to john chapter 20 john chapter 20 Peace in the midst of public pressure, pressure, excuse me. Jesus, for a little context around John chapter 20, Jesus had been crucified. He was buried for three days. And his disciples were scared that now the people that had crucified Jesus would now be coming for his followers. It would be coming for them next. You see, these disciples had walked with Jesus. They had spent time with Jesus. In fact, they had seen Jesus bring peace to all kinds of different people. A lunatic, a little boy who had demons in him, who had oft cast himself in the water and into the fire, and Jesus removes that demon and says, you are whole. Peace brought to a little boy. Peace brought to the maniac of Gadara who had cut himself. They had seen Jesus bring peace to so many people, yet he was gone. He was gone. He was not physically present with them anymore. What are they going to do? How are they going to cope? The people are against us. How are we going to leave this room? If you know anything about the history of this time, there was no peace in Jerusalem at this time. 
people were in mob mentality. In fact, they beat Jesus. Together as a mob began crying, crucify him, crucify him. We pick up the story in John chapter 20, in verse 19. John chapter 20, verse 19, the Bible says this. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, watch this, for fear of the Jews came Jesus, stood in the midst and saith unto them, look what he says, peace be unto you. And when he had said so, so said, excuse me, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Look at the, look at the change. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. You see, when Jesus is present, peace is present. But not only did it give them peace, it changed their countenance. They were glad. Look at verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me. Even so, send I you. The first thing Jesus addresses the disciples with, his followers with, is simply peace. Peace be unto you. You see, Jesus knew they were scared. Jesus knew they were locked in this room because they were fearful of what was going on outside of them. There was a public pressure going on. And they were hiding because of it. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. They wanted to stay away from it. We saw with the lady with the issue of blood, there was an interpersonal turmoil. But if you will, in this instance, there was a circumstantial turmoil. Man, the, the circumstances surrounding this whole thing, man, that was creating a turmoil for these disciples. They did not necessarily ask to be put in this position, though. This is not where they envisioned themselves. They did not envision themselves without their leader. They did not envision themselves uh, scared to death of what someone might do to them because of following Christ. Yet here they were, hiding, scared. And in walks Jesus, bringing peace with him. And if you know anything about the Bible... You know, from this point on, from John chapter 20, and you continue to move on through the book of Acts, guess what? The circumstantial turmoil did not end, did it? Acts chapter, I believe it's chapter 7, chapter 6, chapter 7, Stephen was persecuted and stoned to death. The, the apostle Paul was there present. He wasn't the apostle Paul. He was the one holding the coats of the people who threw the stones. Acts chapter 8, we see uh, Paul, or excuse me, Saul going in and breaking up the church and scattering the church. And listen, it just continued to understand the circumstances didn't go away, but guess what happened? The peace of God came. And those disciples went out of that room. They didn't lie there scared. They didn't stay there scared. They went and began preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to every creature because of the peace that Jesus brought. Look again uh, at the end of that verse, verse 21. Peace be unto you as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Because of the peace that I bring, you can leave this room, fellas. You can get out of here. You can go and you can preach Jesus Christ. He gave them the peace that they had so desired in their circumstances. Let me be honest with you this morning and, and just a little bit blunt. There's all kinds of public pressure going on around us. Government pressure, public health pressure, 
circumstantial pressure going on. And whether good, bad, ugly, I'm, I'm not here to discuss that. All I'm trying to say is there's all kinds of things going on in our world, and our world is going nuts. They have no peace. Nobody knows what to do. Some people are scared to death. But in walks Jesus. You see, when Jesus is present in our lives, we should have peace. We may not know what to do. The circumstances may not change. And we may have to do some things that we just simply don't want to do, but we should just have peace. You see, so often we try to fulfill things on our own, don't we? Oh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overcome this, and I'm going to work through this, and it's going to be through my strength and my power, and I'm going to work my way through this. But yeah, we get tired. We get weary. We forget that we have the comforter, the Holy Spirit to guide us, the Holy Spirit to bring us peace. God may not necessarily take conflict away, but if we will just bring it to Jesus, just bring it to Jesus, he will give us peace in the midst of even public pressure. So let me ask you, what's going on in your life right now? What's going on in your life right now that you just, man, I just want peace. I'm just sick of it. I'm just longing for peace. Well, listen, whatever it is, bring it to Jesus. Cast all your care upon him because he careth for you. John chapter 14, verse 27. We're not far away if you just turn back. John chapter 14, verse 27 great verse. Jesus says, John 14 and verse 27, Jesus says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Notice this, he says, not as the world giveth, not as the, not as the physical world thinks it gives you, not, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Look what he says, let not your heart be troubled. Remember the definition of peace? Definition of peace is very simply a state of tranquility. Freedom from disturbance or agitation. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Don't fear. I'm leaving you with peace. And so often in our lives, we get looking around and we think, oh, I can control my circumstances or I can control what's going on in my body or I can control what's going on in my marriage or I can control what's going on in all these different things. And before long, we're like, I can't handle this anymore. And there is no peace. Bring it to Jesus. See, Jesus wants to leave you with peace. Perhaps you sit here today or maybe you watch online and you have never experienced at one time at all the peace of Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you today? Bring your life to Jesus. He will give you peace. Trust him today. He will give you freedom from the bonds of sin. He came, and we'll look at this later in this series, he came to be the peacemaker between you and God. 
Your sin separates you from God. There is no peace between you and God except for the peacemaker, the propitiation, Jesus Christ. He came so that you can know peace. Maybe you sit here today and maybe you've forgotten. Well, in this one area of my life, I've just forgotten about how to give that to Jesus. Again, can I encourage you? Bring it to him. Bring it to him. We can all, every one of us, we can all experience the peace of Christ in our lives today. We just have to bring it to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day and for this opportunity. Father, there's no doubt in my mind that there are people that sit in front of me, that people that listen online this morning that just need your peace. Lord, you may not take their circumstances away. You may not uh, take their inner problems away. But, Father, we know, and you have promised, that you will give peace in the midst of the storm. Well, you may not calm the storm, but there will be peace in the middle of it. And Father, we do ask for those that are longing for peace, that they would find it in you. Father, if there's one that listens here today that does not know you as personal Savior, I pray that today would be that day that they, for the first time they experience a peace that passes all understanding. We pray all these things in your name and ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed if you would. At the end of every service, we try to give some time for everyone, whether you're listening online or here in the service, to make some sort of decision. Believe the simple decision this morning to make would just decide to live a life of peace, giving it to Christ. If you will, to decide to pursue peace. So if you're here physically this morning and you desire to, you can come forward and you can pray. Or you can stay in your seat if you're so comfortable in doing so, but we want you to make a decision. And whatever decision you make, I have learned that in my life it is a good reminder to write things down. So whatever decision you make, I challenge you to take your phone out, take a pen and a piece of paper out, and write down the decision that you are making today. And again, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then we would love to be able to show you that today. But let's take some time right now and make a decision for Christ.